You're listening to a sermon from Emmaus City Church, located in Worcester, Massachusetts. We seek to walk in union with Jesus and share his good news with our community. In the midst of trusting and proclaiming and preaching this good news that we have a deliverer, the God who sees, the God who hears, the God who's with us. Uh, I'm thinking that maybe we could just have the kids sing that to us for the next 10 minutes and that'll be the sermon. Um, uh, We need to have faith like a child that says, I will never doubt his promise, though I doubt my heart, I doubt my eyes, my deliverer is coming. So we're in the midst of a special weekend. Today is the Feast of Saints Perpetual and Felicity. Uh, Perpetual and Felicity are names that I've brought up before and we will continue to bring up. Uh, In the first 300 years of the church, this is the longest writing we have from a woman in relationship to a testimony of martyrs. Perpetual and Felicity were willing to die for Jesus. And I give powerful testimony. If you want to read their story, you can go to our blog right now. And that story is the number one page for today on our blog. It is beautiful that this feast happens also with International Women's Day being tomorrow. So we have this weekend in which we want to focus on the women that have been made in the image of God. That Christ has come to make them in His image. That they show us a Christ-likeness that we need to see. And how apropos in the midst of this Lenten season, in the midst of this series about the deliverer in desert spaces that we go to Hagar, a woman who in Genesis gave a name to God. Who trusted God not once, but twice in desert spaces. In the midst of exploitation, in the midst of abuse, in the midst of desertion, Even though she was in the desert, she was not deserted. In the midst of a question of a God that comes in Jesus and that in Christ we are saved. This is a beautiful story for the person that comes to you and says, but what about the person in the desert who's never heard of God? Well, here is a person in the desert in which God comes to them and she gives the name, the God who sees me. In the midst of this, it is my joy that I get to invite Kate Cole to come up to read these words in her own voice and to pray for the preaching of God's Word. These are readings from the book of Genesis, chapter 16 and chapter 21. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him, and he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, 
I have now seen the one who sees me. The child grew and was weaned, and on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, Get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, Do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also, because he is your offspring. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered into the desert of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down about a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. This is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me. God, we thank you that you are the God who sees, that you saw and heard and cared for um, this foreign slave woman who had nothing, who was suffering, had been mistreated, um, had no resources, Lord, and you pursued her. Um, Lord, we thank you that you find us um, in the places that we run to or where we feel stuck in the you also see those that we cannot see, and you hear those that we cannot hear or that we can't do anything about, Lord. Lord, you, um, your eyes on the sparrow, Lord, and it's on everyone, and we just thank you that we can trust you. We praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we have Elroy, the God who sees. We have Ishmael, the God who hears. And we have Emmanuel, the God with. We are not deserted, deserted even when we are in a desert place. The deliverer is near. What's interesting about this story, too, in the midst of its complications, in the midst of the questions that it rises, that uh, I will let them rise. It's complicated. But as much as we look at this story and we wonder about the questions of what God allows and what He doesn't allow, how human choice And freedom and slavery create situations that we wish didn't happen. In the midst of seeing Abram and Sarai, in Genesis 12, the one that God chose, 
to bless all nations through. And yet, even in Abram's own life, he gave up Sarai to not only Pharaoh in Egypt, but also Abimelech, a king, two times in diminishing her. But now Sarai has her own role to play in the abuse of Hagar. Because I want us to see, we got to this moment because two people that heard God's voice and trusted God's voice got to a point where they didn't think God's word was enough. We got to this place with Hagar because the deliverer saw that Abram and Sarai did not trust God's word. They didn't trust that the promise would be fulfilled. And so they said, God will make a better way and humanity's better way created the situation in which Hagar was abused. And so the first step I want to bring us back to in this moment before we get into a situation where we start to judge God or we say this could have happened differently, we need to look at the fact that Abram and Sarai had God's promises, but in the midst of their journey, because they stopped trusting God's Word, because they started to maybe manipulate God's Word for their own interests or for their own emotions, that was when the abuse happened. And that is hugely important for us today. Because in the mystery of how we see God at work, in the mystery of how we come to grips with God's Word, we are very much tempted to be Abram and Sarai to think, well, if God doesn't deliver the way I want to, I'll make it happen. But let me tell you, when that happens, when we take control, when we take power and we say, you know what, God, I don't think your Word's enough, that's when abuse to humanity happens. When we start picking and choosing the parts of God's promises and His words and His righteous justice and His mercy and we say, no, this is how we'll work it out in our world, that's when the exploitation starts to creep in. So the deliverer is here and the deliverer sees what's going on. Alexis Wagner in her article, God is Not Neutral, says, God offered promises to Abram, but Abram took matters into his own hands, and so did Sarai, and so do we. (laughs) They created pain and suffering for Hagar. They took advantage of the other. They broke relationships. They lost power, and then they grasped for their own power. And in grasping for their own power, they diminished. But here what we see is a God that is still bound up in the story of those who are those with power and those who are not. The ones who are abused and the ones who are abused. The exploiters and the exploited. And in the midst of this story, we see that God's grace is unmerited and undeserving. It reaches to Abram, it reaches to Sarai, it reaches to Hagar, it just keeps reaching. And if we don't see God's grace as something that we don't deserve, then we will participate in abusing God's Word as well as abusing each other. This is a crazy grace that moves up in a messed up people's lives. And so let us not stand over this story. Let's not stand over God, but say, what would I be like in deserving God's grace in this story? Where would my fears go? Where would my grasping for control go? When would I try to say something or be something that might actually lead to a worse situation, but I think I'm doing God a favor? Because in many ways, I think that's what Abram and Sarai were thinking. Well, I've been barren this long. 
It doesn't seem like God's fulfilling His promises. I have. Maybe this woman God's given me. I'll give her to Abram. Abram, I'm offering her to you. She's my servant. Let's make this promise happen. And sadly, in the midst of that, Sarai's jealousy grows. And now we have a woman who's pregnant out in the desert with a potential death of not only a servant, but a child, an unborn child. And how beautiful is this too in the midst of International Women's Day tomorrow that we see a story that looks at those that society doesn't care for, that doesn't provide for, a mistress treated, a servant treated like property. But God looks at, and He not only sees the one that's treated like property, but also the child. That there's a God reaching into both of these stories and saying, I see you, I hear you, I'm with you. And so in the midst of how we look at women's right and how we look at women's choice and how we look at a God who favors and protects life in the womb to the tomb, what a story we need to hear again. The God, again, is looking at. He sees, He hears. And He's in the mess we create. Whether by our own choices, by our policies, God is valuing life. Seemingly abandoned, seemingly deserted, but the deliverer is in the desert space. So again, I invite you, how right now, in the midst of the places you fear or you think God is not showing up, are you still grasping or trying to manage it rather than waiting and trusting His promises? To learn from Abram and Sarai in the midst of the things that they thought they were doing that was right when they tried to manage good and evil on their own, even in having God's promise over them. Where is God inviting you? No, 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 I'm your deliverer. Don't try to get out of this desert space. You're not deserted. But don't grasp for control yet. See, as much as we talk about freedom and want freedom, freedom means we get it wrong a lot of the time. But it also means God's constant presence is pursuing us to help us get it right. God is the one who is the only one who's righteous. God is the one who is coming to make us righteous in relationship to Him and each other in this world. So the deliverer sees Abram and Sarai who are not trusting God's word at this moment and hurting Hagar, but the deliverer also sees Hagar impacted by unbelief, impacted by exploitation. And this deliverer will redeem Hagar's pain. Next to Abram handing off Sarai to Pharaoh, this is one of the earliest examples of sexual exploitation in the Bible. God isn't blind to that. God includes this in his story. Sometimes our pain has very tangible and physical sources. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes there's no offender to address or no Abram to be disciplined. Sometimes it's just the pain 
of being a fragile person in a hard world. Someone has hurt you, someone's done an injustice to you, and you don't know what to do. Maybe a dark cloud of depression and anxiety hangs over you in your desert, and you can't figure out how to shake it. Jared Wilson, in looking at this story in his article, When You Feel Abandoned, Forgotten, and Unloved, says you need to know God has seen you and God hears you. In Genesis 16, the angel of the Lord finds Hagar out in the wilderness. She's alone, she's afraid, she's used and thrown away. And God comes near to hear and to see. Trust me in this desert. And here's where it gets complicated. The first time in the desert, she sends, or he sends Hagar back to Sarai, the one that is hurting her. What is God doing? And this is not a justification to go back to our abusers. This is simply a mystery of, can we trust God even when it seems dark? Even when it seems confusing? Even when it seems like, what is going on? Because in this moment, if you will look, 16.10, God gives a promise to Hagar that sounds a lot like that promise He gave to Abram. Then in the midst of Abram's situation of being pulled out of the land of so many different gods and being sent into who knows where, saying, I'm going to make you bountiful in the midst of a journey through deserts. I'm going to make you strong in the midst of feeling weak amongst other armies. I'm going to bless you so that you bless all nations. Listen to what the angel of the Lord says to Hagar. I will increase your descendants so much they will be too numerous to count. Kind of sounds like the stars or the sand. So many. God, you can do something so incredibly blessed while I'm sitting alone in this desert with a child in my womb and I don't know how I'm going to be taken care of. I think I'm going to die. You're going to do something like that here? Yes. And so she goes back with hope. But then her son grows up and is a teenager and as teenagers often do, looks at a baby and teases it or makes fun of it. We don't know how Ishmael really reacted to Isaac, but it wasn't something that Sarah liked at that time. And so Sarah's pain came back up. And that's a key thing with this story too. If we don't deal with our pain before the cross, we will make other people deal with our pain. And we'll crucify them. Let me say that again. If we don't deal with our pain before the God who sees and the God who hears... We will transfer our pain to others and they will suffer because of it. And it will not redeem you and it will crush them. So in the midst of this, Sarah's pain wells up. She transfers it to Abraham Abraham and says, I want them gone. And so Abraham's distressed. And then Abraham has to trust God because he doesn't want to send Hagar Ishmael away. But then he sends them away into a desert because God said, don't worry about them. Abraham, you can trust me with them in the desert. And maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're not in the desert, but you know others who are. And you're wondering if you can trust God with them in their deserts. 
that they are going to have to discover the deliverance of God in a desert, not with you. That you can't save them. That as much as you want to remind them of the gospel, you've got to trust that even if God says, oh no, I'm, I'm going to take them into the desert, but don't worry about them. When we have to see people struggle in those spaces because they want something less than God, but God says, oh no, I want to give them as much of me as I can, but it's going to require them to be in a space that they can't deliver themselves. Will we trust God with them in those spaces? That's where we're invited into Abraham's space in this story. Will you trust me when I send them to a place you won't see and you won't hear, but you'll have to trust that I see and I hear? Twenty-one eleven says the matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, don't be distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you because it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also because he's your offspring. And so Abraham let them go. And then they're, they're in the desert of Beersheba. And the water and the skin is gone. And the boy is under a bush. And the child who now is in his teenage years, is wailing. And the woman who is his mother has to go away from him because she can't stand to hear his crying turn into death. And in that space, more than a decade later, the same one who had seen and heard Hagar before speaks again. I think that's another lesson for us in this story is God was faithful. God saw, God heard, God was with but are you willing to wait more than a decade to see it happen? Again. Not a few months. Not a few years. Hagar had this happen more than a decade before and seemingly is back in the same place again. I think sometimes we get lost in that decade and we think, oh, God's not real. He's not the deliverer. He's the deserter. But you never see Hagar question God. You just see her cry. Some of us, maybe we just need to cry some more. Maybe our questions are not helping us in the desert. We just need to lament. We just need to lament that this world is broken. That we are broken. And as much as we have a God who sees and a God who hears, we don't see very well and we don't hear very well and we feel alone a lot. But that doesn't mean that God's not with us. And so we lament. God has not forgotten you. Today's sermon title is In the Desert Space, There is a Deliverer Who Sees You. There's a Deliverer Who Hears You. There is a deliverer who's with you. I wanted to have this passage come up with our passage from Psalm 107 last week because four times in that passage we heard when they cried out to the Lord, what? He heard their cry and delivered them, saved them from their distress. Psalm 107 is an anonymous psalm, but in the midst of the ones that are in desert wastelands at the beginning of that psalm, it could be Hagar's song that she could sing to us.
Verses 4 through 7 of Psalm 107 say, Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. This is Hagar and Ishmael's song. But God, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Some of you, I asked, take a look at Psalm 107, and out of the four different groups of people, maybe pull a verse or verses from that group and make it your own during the season of Lent. If you are resonating with this story of Abram and Sarai and Hagar and Ishmael, then I would encourage you, go back to Psalm 107 and verses 4 through 7. Memorize them, sing them, lament them, cry them out. Because there's a God who hears you. There's a God who sees you. There is a God who is the deliverer who's with you. Also in Psalm 107, verses 35 through 38, it says, The Lord turned the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into flowing springs. There he brought the hungry to live, and they founded a city where they could settle. He blessed them, and their numbers greatly increased. Again, is this not maybe a psalm that correlates with the story of Hagar and Ishmael? Say, Mike, how do we know this is true? Well, we see it ultimately in Jesus. Jesus is the deliverer who's not deserted you. Jesus in John 14, 18 says, I will not leave you as orphans. Jesus in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20 says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I am with you always. That this message of the gospel is a discipleship message that goes to the ends of the earth. That can be made disciples of people in all nations. Whether they are the oppressors or the oppressed. Whether they are the exploiters or the exploited. That this discipleship message will transform them. To know that they are in the name of in the family name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Do you want to be part of this mission, Emmaus City Church? Do you want to remind each other when we're in the desert wastelands that the voice we need to hear, the image we need to see, is the self-giving love of God on the cross. So we're not requiring others to pay the price for our sin or other sins that have been done to us. But we believe that the price has been paid and we can be free. That our redemption goes even to the darkest and the most deserted and driest places of our lives. In the beauty of God in Jesus, we see with another woman in a desert place at a well. Isn't it beautiful that at John 4, in this woman's story, in which we don't know why she had been married as many times that she had. We don't know if she had any children or she was barren. But in that place in which her life was barren, Jesus said, there's a well here you need to have eyes to see. Will you trust that God has heard you? Will you trust that God has seen you? Will you trust that right now in spirit and truth you can worship the God who's with you? And that woman, in the midst of the driest part of the day, went back to her city and said, come and see the one who's the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham. My deliverer, our deliverer, 
your deliverer is coming. Jesus, your deliverer, is standing by. You don't have to doubt His promise. Please, Emmaus City Church, doubt your hearts. Doubt your eyes more than this word. You don't have to doubt Jesus' promises. Doubt your hearts. Doubt your eyes more than this word. Remember again, it was because Abram and Sarai doubted the Word of God, tried to manage the Word of God, tried to make good and evil work on their own terms, that the abuse of Hagar happened. Mm -hmm. Let's not be a church, and you all need to help me with this, if I ever become a pastor that begins to swerve around the hard places of the Word of God, that begins to try to shape it more to your ears because I know it won't get us into discussions that are really hard to have. If I start moving to those spaces or anyone that shares the Word of God with you from this place, we need to be challenged on that. I'm inviting you to challenge me right now if I get into spaces where I start to manipulate or manage this Word to make it easier on us rather than us relying on the Deliverer. Our Deliverer is coming. Our Deliverer is standing by. To close this sermon, I want to remind you again of the saints' perpetual infelicity who fully trusted this deliverer as young women that were about to be torn apart in the Colosseum. Their feast is today celebrated by Jesus' church around the world as the longest, earliest writing from a woman that we have. And again, you can read that on our blog, their story. For those that are sensitive, be careful. It's a tough story. But two days before Felicity's execution, she went into painful labor. And in her pain, she screamed. And the guards made fun of her, insulting her by saying, If you think you suffer now, how will you stand it when you face the wild beasts? And this was Felicity's answer. This was the witness of our sister from 1800 years ago that we need to hear again. This is what Felicity said. Now I suffer what I suffer. But then in the arena, another... My deliverer will be in me who will suffer for me as I shall suffer for him. In the midst of that labor of dying as a witness for Jesus, trusting this word is true, Felicity testified to the soldiers that mocked her. I suffer what I suffer now in these birthing pains. But when I get into that arena in two days, another will be in me who will suffer for me as I shall suffer for him. The deliverer saw Felicity. She gave birth to a healthy girl in the prison that day. This North African woman and the Carthaginian child was taken out of the prison and adopted and raised by one of the Christian women of Carthage. I wonder what that daughter's testimony was to know that her mother, even though she died two days after her born, she was born, talked about a deliverer. That even as she faced death by the beast, there was a deliverer that was strong enough to lead her through that, but also to give a resurrection life that was greater than this death. 
That's the one we're talking about. He doesn't just deliver in desert wastelands into cities. He delivers us from this earth that needs to be renewed. And if we really understand the power of this gospel, then we will face those who mock us. We will face those who scorn us. We will face the temptation to diminish God's word, to try to manage it on our own terms, and we'll say, no, I would rather hold on to the word of the deliverer than abuse you and diminish you by not giving you what he says, as well as not abuse or diminish me, because I need all of his word. I need all of his salvation. I need all of his truth. We need the deliverer who sees us in the desert places, the only one who can rescue us in such places. We need Him. And He will hold us fast. That's the song we're introducing right before communion. I encourage you to take a moment now as I pray to consider how much is He holding you fast right now that maybe you've missed. He's holding you fast. Let's pray. God, use this consideration again of what it means for you to be the deliverer in the desert spaces. Even if we're there or those we love are there or there are those right now, God, where we see them there and we want you to rescue them. We want them to understand that there is the God who sees them, the God who hears them, the God who's with them, who is Emmanuel. Help us to trust you, God. Help us to never doubt your promises. Help us to doubt our hearts and to doubt our eyes. Our deliverer is coming. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you don't have a church family yet, we encourage you to find a community near you or join us for worship if you're near Worcester. For more information, go to JesusLovesWorcester.com or email us at info at EmmausCityChurch.com. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you.